Welcome to the Show Up Podcast with me, your host, Natalie Norton. This podcast is all about having the courage to be a really good human and living the kind of life that genuinely fires you up every single day. Are you ready to become your best self and truly show up for your life, come what may? Me too. Let's do this thing. I know you, you understand me, babe. Girl, you're my best friend. I'll always want you around. Hello and welcome to episode two, your best year yet. You guys, it is a new year. How is that even possible? In my mind, it's like June, maybe July, but for sure not January. It's just blowing my mind how fast this last year has gone. Um, The new year is just such an exciting time. I don't know if it's this way in every home, but when I was growing up, we did a lot of goal setting. It was a big deal in my family to the point where New Year's was almost as exciting for us as Christmas. Um, We took it really seriously. We sat down together as a family and we did vision boards and we talked about our goals for the new year and um, we worked really hard on making sure that we took an intentional step into the new year. And we're not going to talk about goal setting here because there's enough information out there about that. We're not going to talk about um, vision boards or anything like that. But what we are going to talk about is how every single person out there, every one of us has the power to make this year our very best year yet. No matter what junk may hit the proverbial fan, right? I'm saying that this can be your best year even if bad things happen. And I can promise you that some bad things will happen because that's just life. So I'm going to start this episode by asking you to believe something that may be really challenging for you. Because it's the kind of thing that just doesn't really leave a lot of room for excuses. And that's why it can be so challenging for people to hold on to. And so maybe it's going to be hard for you to believe at first. And If that's the case, I challenge you to just open your mind up to the possibility of this being true and being real, okay? Okay, we're all on the same page. So I need to tell you a secret, which is perhaps the secret of life. And you should perhaps be paying me a whole lot of money for sharing this with you because this could truly and quite completely change your life. The happiest and most fulfilled people, the most peaceful and collected people that I know in all of my life all have one thing in common. And that one thing isn't wealth. It's not education. It's not a fancy house. It's not their faith or their religion. It's not an awesome job with amazing benefits or even an amazing love life. It's not a supportive family. The happiest people I know All, each and every one of them, know one thing that the miserable people that I know do not. And maybe it's not that the miserable people don't know it. Maybe it's that they just are really struggling to embody it and to believe it. Because believing it requires us to let go of a lot of things that make us feel really comfortable. Here it is. Happiness and peace have nothing to do with what happens in a person's life. 
I'm going to repeat that. The happiest people I know know that happiness and peace have nothing to do with what happens in a person's life. And furthermore, these people know that happiness and peace have everything to do with a person's response to what happens in their life. And I know that that can be really hard to swallow because some of us are like, but, but what about, but what about? Let me tell you a story really quick. When I was a kid, my mom would use this phrase in her parenting all the time. And it was the most frustrating thing for me as a kid. It made me want to rip my hair out. So here's just like a figurative example. I'm not giving you a literal example from my childhood, but let's say we're in a grocery store and I wanna buy a treat. And I'm like, mom, I want this treat, I want this treat, I want this treat. My mom's like, no, honey, you can't have any more sugar today. You've had enough sugar for the day. We're not gonna buy that treat. And I'm like, but mom, and I give her all these reasons why I should have the treat. And she says, Natalie, no. I said, no, the answer is no. And then I would say, as all children would say, oh, you make me so mad. And here is what my mom would say that would make me want to rip my hair out of my head. Natalie, who makes Natalie mad? when Natalie's mad, right? Is that not the most obnoxious thing you've ever heard in your life? But is she wrong? No, because who makes Natalie mad when Natalie's mad? I do. It's not the things that happen around me that make me mad because nobody can make anything happen internally, right? Nobody can change my internal landscape except for me. I'm completely in charge always of my response in any given situation. And so while this was the most frustrating and obnoxious thing when I was growing up, now as an adult, I am so thankful that that lesson was embedded in me when I was very young because I have needed it time and time again as I have navigated some really complex and deeply challenging um, circumstances in my life. So why is it that this way of thinking is so incredibly difficult for people to embrace? And why is it that it causes that feeling of absolute frustration? There's a lot of different reasons for that. And one isn't gonna be better than the next. And we could go on for 100 years about all the different reasons, but let me just offer a few. How often do we feel as though we have a right to be responding the way that we do? And we're not wrong, we do have the right. The circumstance has dictated a very, very natural response from us. It's not that we're responding in a way that's disproportionate, right? Sometimes maybe, but for the most part, we are responding in proportionate ways to very hard things. And so we feel as though we have a right to that response, right? Like if we choose to stop letting our circumstance govern us or cause this natural response within us, then maybe we're choosing to say that the circumstance isn't that big of a deal, right? And that can be a really uncomfortable thing for people because the things that happen to us in our lives cause us real legitimate pain and real legitimate struggle. And we do have a right to those feelings. And I'm not negating those feelings in any way. And we'll loop back to that idea of not negating those feelings in just a second. But first, let me just present something for you to consider, okay? You are allowed to respond however you want to anything that happens to you in your life, you are absolutely allowed to respond in any way you want. You're allowed to feel whatever you feel. There's no shame in those feelings. You are allowed to respond in any way you want to any given set of circumstances, period, exclamation point, amen, okay? But 
you have to also accept the natural consequence of whatever that response may be. And in many cases, the natural consequence of a reactive emotional response is misery and pain. And so, yes, you get to choose to respond however you want to respond, but you don't get to choose how that response fosters greater pain inside of you, right? So essentially what I'm saying is that when you choose to hold on tightly to those feelings you have an absolute right to feel, you are simultaneously making a choice to be miserable or at least to be far less happy than you could otherwise be. Now, going back, like I said that we would, to the idea of what about not negating our feelings? What about those feelings that we really do have the cause and effect right to be feeling and experiencing? And isn't a part of being a human having a whole experience? And isn't a whole experience, isn't part of having a whole experience respecting ourselves enough to allow us to have the feelings we need to have in order to to process difficult and challenging circumstances in our lives? For sure, for sure. But the problem is, that so often we hold so tightly to those things because we feel as though we have a right to them, as though we are validated inside of them. And we need that validation because we need our suffering to be validated. And so we stay in that space longer than we need to. And then it's no longer the circumstance that's causing our suffering, but it's our choice to remain stuck inside our response. And I don't need to tell you that sometimes, while yes, sometimes the feelings are absolutely warranted and necessary and natural, sometimes we're inside of a false narrative. Sometimes the circumstance isn't really the way that we feel it is, and it hasn't really unfolded in the way that our self-narrative tells us that it has. And in that case, we're completely staying stuck unnecessarily, right? And either one of these things happens to every single person all the time. And I am not the exception. Happens to me too. This is normal. This is a part of being human. But we have to ask ourselves this question. Do we want to be right? Do we want our right to those feelings? Or do we want our joy? And happy people know that they want their joy. I can hear you out there with your brains like rattling around and listing all these crazy circumstances like, oh, yeah, that's true. But what about this? Or what about this hard thing that happened to me? Or what about, I can see how that would be true most of the time. But in my circumstance, blah, 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 blah. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. But let me tell you a little story. In 2010, my son passed away. January of 2010. In December of 2010, I wrote one of the most heartfelt blog posts on my old blog that I have ever written before or since. And it was entitled something like 2010 was the best year of my life. And I don't remember the totality of the post, but I remember at some point it said the words 2010 was the year I found my roar. Nobody would have blamed me if in that year I had holed up with my pillow over my face 
Nobody would have blamed me. Nobody would have had any judgment about that. Everybody would have completely understood because I absolutely had the right to just hibernate and disappear and melt into my grief and pain. And on many days I did. But I also recognized that I was going to die inside of that spiritually. I was going to die inside inside of that grief and pain if I let myself. And so in such fierce agony, knowing that I had absolutely no way to change my circumstance, there was no way for me to undead my child. There was no way for me to preserve my children from their grief. There was no way for me to rescue my husband from his suffering, from his pain. And because that circumstance could not be changed, I knew that the only thing I could do was everything in my power to have a conscious response to it. And that year I worked harder than ever on number one, feeling what I was feeling and validating those feelings and then exhaling them away, choosing consciously not to stay stuck inside of them, even though I had every quote unquote right to do so. I worked harder than ever before on my physical health because I knew that my physical health and my emotional health went hand in hand. And there were some times when the pain and the anger and the, the injustice of it all would boil up inside of me so completely that all I could do was hit the pavement and run and run and run until I had shaken those feelings from my bones and left them there in the middle of the road. I worked on meditating. I worked on connecting myself more fully to the divine. I worked on every single thing I did have power over because I knew that my circumstance wasn't going to change, but I wanted to be happy. And so how could I, inside of this most horrible thing, the loss of my baby boy, how could I find joy? Was I still in pain? Absolutely every single day. And even now, all these years later, I still experience pain over the death of my son. But I do not suffer. Does that make sense? When we allow ourselves to be governed by our circumstances, we allow ourselves to suffer. Pain, it's going to happen. We're all going to experience pain day in and day out. It's a normal part of life. But suffering and especially prolonged suffering, is a choice. And I know it's hard. It's hard for me even to say, because all I want is just to wrap my arms around you and let you be wherever you are. And I still want that, and I still believe that that is, that is my offering to you, is absolute acceptance, zero judgment wherever you are. But simultaneously, I have the deepest desire for you to be empowered, to know that wherever you are, you don't have to be stuck there. But we're not talking about grief and pain in the past. We're talking about where we are right now in this moment and what could come over the course of this next year and how we have the power to make this year our best year yet by how we choose to show up for it every single day. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about my very favorite book of all time, and I promise you that as you become a longtime listener of this podcast, which I know you will all do, you will hear about it pretty frequently because it is truly my very favorite. It is called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. 
Viktor Frankl was a neurologist um, during around the, the same era as World War II. And he was also Jewish. And during World War II, he was imprisoned in four different concentration camps, one of which was Auschwitz. Um, and his book, Man's Search for Meaning, is basically a chronicle of his experiences as a prisoner in those camps during World War II. And I have read this book over and over and over again over the, the years. The first time I read it, I was probably 18 or 19, and I still read it at least once annually. But I want to share with you a few of my favorite quotes from this book. Now, remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about people who are in the deepest, darkest kind of circumstance that you can possibly find yourselves in. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Again, that's Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. I'm going to read that to you again. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. And while, yeah, it's hard to believe that we're in charge no matter what, how empowering is that simultaneously to hear? That no matter what, yeah, we may not be able to change what's going on here, but we can change us. We're always in control of us. Who makes Natalie mad when Natalie's mad? Who makes Natalie sad when Natalie's sad and as hard as it is to let that stuff sit in our brains and let it rest on our hearts? That doesn't make it less true, right? Now, here's another quote from Viktor Frankl from the same book. Everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. If he can say that, I can say that. If I can say that, you can say that, right? That our greatest gift, our greatest capacity, no matter what is ever taken away from us through circumstance, we can always choose our own way. And may that way be a way of happiness, absolutely. And it's not as simple as attitude. There's a lot of things that go into that. But before we can even touch on those things, we have to first acknowledge that we are 100% empowered, that we are 100% always in charge of ourselves. I'm gonna tell you another story. My grandma um, had Parkinson's disease and she lived with us for the last years of her life. Um, my mom was her primary caregiver, and it was just such a beautiful thing to watch that love um, unfold in my home. And if I ever invent a time machine, that is the era of my life I will go back to. I will go back, and I will just be the most pleasant, wonderful teenager, and I will soak in every ounce of her wisdom and love because what a gift it was to have her in our home. But I remember a couple of things about her. She was in a lot of pain. Parkinson's is a really, really debilitating disease. And she had early onset Parkinson's, so she'd been struggling for, for quite a number of years. And I just remember her every day being so full of joy and optimism and having the best attitude about everything. I remember one day walking in to her bedroom, and I remember this so vividly. I, it's, it's as if it happened yesterday. I remember walking into her room, and here was this woman who could barely, she barely had the mobility to get from one room to the next. And she was on her knees at the side of her bed offering her nightly prayer. And my gosh, if there was ever a time in life when God would understand a human not getting on their knees to pray, it would be when they were in the thick of such a horrible disease. And yet my grandma 
still had had the the reverence and the awe to kneel before her maker in such in such love and that was so inspiring to me and she never complained she never complained about anything ever um, she would always make jokes and she would always laugh and she would just smile and they would come in to take her blood and they'd have to poke her all over the place and she would just laugh and she would say oh there you come with your teeny tiny torture kit and she just made everything lighthearted. she made it all a joke and she was so loving and so sweet and so kind through it all and here I was a teenager an angsty teenager going through very normal and very privileged I might add challenges in my teenage adolescent years, right? And little did I know that here before me was this woman who was in the kind of circumstance I couldn't even imagine at that age. And she was giving me the perfect example of how to still experience deep and lasting joy by choosing to respond to a circumstance with the one thing she could control, which was her own attitude and her own response, no matter what. Such a beautiful example to me. Now, I promised that I would loop back to this, and now is that time. Choosing our own response and choosing to have a good attitude, and we're going to have a part two to this podcast where we actually talk about specific actionable ways that you can make this year your best year yet. But This is just laying the groundwork, okay? But like I said, I would loop back. Here's the loop back. This doesn't mean that we can't hurt it doesn't mean that we're not going to have challenges, that we're not going to feel, that we're not going to have pain. It does not mean that on any level. In fact, hurt, the courage to hurt, the courage to really go into that deep place and feel our actual feelings, that is one of the most significant parts of a wholehearted life. It is essential to living a whole life wide awake. And so it's not about avoiding hurt and pain. It's about allowing ourselves to experience them in healthy ways, right? Because grief and pain change the landscape of our lives. Our greatest internal shifts happen inside of really challenging circumstances and inside of really deeply difficult emotional responses. Right? So we're not saying never hurt, never feel pain, never be sad, have a happy attitude no matter what. We're not saying Pollyanna your way through life because I don't know that that's healthy. I think that we're supposed to feel hard things because it's a part of developing the gamut of human emotion. Those lows allow us to feel more significant highs. Those lows allow us to better show up for one another because we have more empathy and compassion and real understanding. When we've been through the fire, we're better able to reach back, right? There's a quote about that, and I have no idea where it comes from, but I'll try to find it and put it in the, in the show notes because it's such a beautiful, beautiful quote about someone going through the fire and then reaching back their hand to help someone who's still consumed. And that is what having the courage to hurt and having the courage to be in hard spaces does for us. When I say that it changes the internal landscape of our lives, I'm living, breathing proof of that. Before I went through the different hardships that I've gone through in my life, and I, I really hope not to make this podcast all about Natalie all the time. In these first few episodes, we're laying some groundwork, right? You have to have some perspective about where I'm coming from and um, why these things are so deeply rooted in my soul. Um, before my brother died, before my son died, I was a different human being. I wasn't vulnerable very often. 
I I had this this mentality like that kind of like that cowboy up right be strong I I just wanted to be so capable that mattered so much to me I had such a value on being capable and on not needing to ever inconvenience anyone by needing help and just being able to do everything myself I was so fiercely independent and then I was laying completely broken and bleeding and that way of being was impossible that way of being was not an option for me. And in that deepest, darkest hurt, my internal self shifted in a remarkable way. I learned how to do this life differently, how to do it hand in hand with others and how there's no greater way to do life than hand in hand with others. And I never could have known that had I not gone to that deep, dark place. I also learned what it meant to to allow people to see into the the quiet and hidden parts of your soul and how there was no shame in that, how it it brought us joy and it brought healing and it brought, brought miracles, that it brought us together, that it allowed us to never feel as though we had to walk this path alone. And in that companionship that I found, I found so much healing and such a greater sense of myself, such a greater sense of my place within a collective whole, And that has blessed my life in ways that I can't articulate. Such a powerful thing to really hurt. And I'm going to share another quote by Viktor Frankl. But there was no need to be ashamed of tears, for tears bore witness that a man had the greatest of courage, the courage to suffer. And like I said, suffering is a part of living a wholehearted life. Pain is a part of living a wholehearted life. We just don't wanna stay stuck there, right? So when I say that this really can be your best year yet, I mean it from the bottommost part of my heart. And I want that for you. I want that for you so much, so much. But there is one caveat, 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 caveat. My husband and I can't ever agree on how that word is meant to be pronounced. He says I pronounce it as though I'm from Great Britain. I don't know. I don't know how they pronounce it in Great Britain. I don't know how they pronounce it here. So I'm just gonna say it how I say it. Caveat, caveat. Hmm. Anyway, one exception. I cannot control your choice. The only way that this year can be the best year of your life is for you to choose for it to be. For you to set right here, right now, that intention that no matter what happens, you're going to show up. You're going to step into your power. You're going to own your light. You're going to feel what you need to feel. You're not going to shy away from the deepest, darkest, hardest parts, you're gonna celebrate the successes. You're not gonna be hard on yourself. You're gonna allow this year to be what it has the potential to be by choosing to always respond as a person who has chosen to be happy and to have peace would respond. And if you can commit to that, I can promise you 100% without any reservation that at the end of this year, you're going to say to me, Natalie, you were right. This was my best year yet. And maybe it will be smooth sailing. Maybe nothing big and bad is going to happen, but chances are that there's going to be some roadblocks. And for some of you, there may even be some big and hairy, scary stuff. But even for you, I can promise you that as you awaken your soul to the light and the power that is inherently yours, This can absolutely be your best year yet.
that concludes episode two of Show Up with Natalie Norton. And remember to check out those show notes because I will definitely link to Man's Search for Meaning, my most favorite cherished book of all life. And I highly recommend that you put it on your reading list for this year, for this month, for this week. It is so phenomenal. I will link to that. I will link to the quote that I referenced and anything else that is relevant from this podcast episode you can find on letsshowup.com. And remember, this is just part one of this episode. Stay tuned for practical advice, actionable advice on how to make this your best year yet. Thanks for being here. Like I can when you listen. I know you. I'm Natalie Norton, and you have been listening to the Show Up Podcast. Girl, you're my best friend. Until next time, my beautiful friend. Keep showing up, keep that heart wide open. And as always, remember, your best is always enough. Cause you make me feel like I